Welcome. Grace to you and peace from God the Creator and from Jesus Christ, our Teacher and Redeemer, and from the Holy Spirit who binds us together in Christian worship. I want to welcome everyone to worship this morning, whether you are here in person or joining us via Zoom. We are so glad that you have chosen to worship with us today. We begin our worship by lighting the Christ candle. Whenever we do this, we will remember Jesus' promise in the Gospel of Matthew that whenever two or more are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Now, as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship, I would invite you to meditate on the image on the cover of the bulletin, as well as the accompanying statement by the artist, offering this time to God as a prayer to help guide you into this time and space as we listen to the prelude. Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we join together in the call to worship.
Jesus went to the mountaintop to pray. Jesus went into the city to heal. Jesus walked to Samaria to extend love. Jesus went to the water's edge to teach. Jesus went to places of peace and connection. But Jesus also went to the wilderness. There is nowhere we can go that God does not walk with us. We are in God's house. Let us worship holy God. Please remain upright in body or spirit and sing the following hymn. Guide us, O thou great Jehovah, number 65. pray the opening prayer. Spirit in the wilderness, our refuge and fortress, our God in whom we trust, as we begin our Lenten journey, sustain us with your presence. Through whatever tests and trials we face, no matter the temptations we encounter, inspire our minds and guide our bodies. As you filled and strengthened Jesus to withstand challenges, keep us rooted in the promises of your word so that we may resist temptation and glorify you. May we call on your name and rely on your power to strengthen and inspire us. 
for the sake of wholeness for all. With reverence and delight we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Please listen to the call to confession. Friends, we worship a God who doesn't keep score and doesn't hold grudges. We worship a God who invites us into a richer faith, a deeper love, a more compassionate existence with a million chances to try again. So let us speak truth into our lives, asking for God's help where we need it. Let us pray the prayer of confession together. Holy God, when we think that expansive life is about power, teach teach us us a new new way. Gracious Creator, we think that expansive life is about material wealth. Teach Teach us us a new way. way. Gracious Author, when we think that expansive life is about control, teach teach us us a a new way. way. Teach us to live as you live. Teach us to love love as you love. love. Forgive us when we don't. Greatly we pray. Amen. And hear us as we confess to you in the silence of our own heart. We will share the words of forgiveness. Siblings in Christ, no matter how many times we mess up, No matter how far we wander, no matter how lost we feel, God's God's grace is full to the brim. It overflows in desert places. It finds us where we are and covers us in mercy. Hear and believe the good news. God's God's love is overflowing. We are drenched in mercy. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, Jesus fasted for 40 days in the desert while being tempted by the devil. At the end of this time of trial, he found the peace and strength to begin his ministry. Let us share signs of peace that we too may find the strength to sustain our ministries. The peace of Christ be with you. And And also with you. Peace be with you all, and how delightfully normal and strangely normal to have the choir coming up to sing for us in just a few moments. Um, Boy, it's been a while, and it feels really good. Uh, I'd like to take uh, just a couple of moments to speak to the young people in our midst. I know there's at least one joining us on Zoom. Um, Oh, and there he is. There's his face. All right. So I'm going to ask the choir to help me out with this this part of it. You're going to be my children today. (laughs) So I want you to repeat this phrase after me. Just repeat after me. I can make good choices. 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 That's not to say that they don't make good choices. 
So, our Bible story this morning takes place just after Jesus is baptized. After that, the Spirit led him into the desert for 40 days. He hadn't eaten anything that whole time. So the devil tried to get Jesus to turn a rock into bread. But Jesus knew that his gifts were made for more than just magic tricks. He told the devil, the Bible says we don't live on bread alone. Well, the devil tried again, taking Jesus to a high hill where he could see all the kingdoms of the world at once. The devil said, I'll give you all the power in the world, and all of these kingdoms will be yours to rule. You just have to worship me. But Jesus knew that it's not good to be greedy for power. So he told the devil, the Bible says we should only worship God. Well, the devil got tired of Jesus quoting the Bible, so he brought him to the very top of a very tall building and said, the Bible also says that God will protect you and send angels to catch you when you fall. If you're really God's son, prove it. Jump off. But Jesus knew that being brave is, doing more, is more than doing dares. He told the devil... The Bible also says not to test God. Knowing that he couldn't do anything else to tempt Jesus into making bad choices, the devil left Jesus alone. So I wonder, and this is a good question for all of us, have you ever been tempted into making a bad choice? No. No? You sure? (laughs) Many times. (laughs) I think we're going to have to have a conversation when I get home. (laughs) I think that we all get tempted into making bad choices. Like, sometimes I don't want to eat my dinner, and instead I go straight for the ice cream. It might feel good in the moment, but it doesn't feel good in the long run. I wonder, what choice do you think, Atticus, was the hardest for Jesus to make? Which of those three choices, turning a rock into bread, uh, refusing to worship the devil so that he could have power over all the kingdoms, or to throw himself off and trusting that God would catch him, which do you think was the hardest? Um, turning, turning rock. Into bread. I, I agree. I think that that would be really, really hard, especially having not eaten for 40 days. That would be really, really hard. It would be hard to stop thinking about how hungry I was. Well, Jesus used the Bible to help him make choices in this story. How do you know when something is a good choice or a bad choice? Hmm. Sometimes you don't. That's right. Sometimes you don't know, and you just have to trust that it's the right one. Any other thoughts? No, no other other thoughts? What else? It seemed like a good idea at the time. How many times have I said that? Who or what can help you make good choices that honor God 
honor other people, honor yourself. Google what can help you make good choices? Parents. Our parents? Absolutely. When I, when I have to make a choice, I like to go to my mom and dad and say, hey, can you help me figure out what the right choice is? I think so. So we can lean on people in our lives, our family and our friends. We can pray. We can turn to the Bible. All of these can help us make good choices. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for being with us all the time, just like you were with Jesus in the desert. Help us to be like Jesus, to make good decisions that honor you, honor others, and honor ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for helping out, bud. Hi, Dad. <laughs> Friends, as we shift to listening to God's word in our lives, let us lift up our hearts in prayer. God of the wilderness spaces in our lives, it can be hard to hear you in the desert. It can be hard to hear you in the city, in the midst of our calendar reminders, rush hour traffic, and notification alerts. It can be hard to hear you, so we ask, make everything quiet. Pause the chaos, still the rushing, ease our racing thoughts. Give us ears to hear your word for us today, which promises that even in the desert, you are full to the brim. We are listening. We ache for your good news. Gratefully, we pray. Amen. So one more time, our gospel lesson from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Listen for the word of God. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. 
a word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Many more years ago than I'd care to admit, when I was in high school, I was also a Boy Scout. I loved scouting and everything that it entailed. Camping, hiking, swimming, building fires, and of course, the friendships. In the summer before my ninth grade year, at the end of my week at scout camp, I stayed on an extra night to participate in the induction ceremony for the Order of the Arrow, 
which promotes camping and responsible outdoor adventure, as well as environmental stewardship, to develop leaders, and to best exemplify the Scout Oath and Law in daily living. At its core, the Order of the Arrow is a thing of the spirit. In the induction ceremony called the Ordeal, the Scout maintains silence, receives small amounts of food, works on camp improvement projects, and sleeps apart from other campers, all of which are intended to teach significant values. I remember this overnight experience very vividly. I don't remember how many other scouts were going through the ordeal with me, but I remember it as being a pretty sizable group. I remember the silence, and if you've ever been around a group of teenagers, you know just how remarkable this is. I remember the hard work, though what exactly we were working on, I couldn't tell you. I remember the roll of hunger in my stomach, just a few morsels and some water to carry us through. I also remember the nearly raw egg that I ate for breakfast since I was supposed to hard boil it in a paper cup of water about this size over a fire because my patience lost to my hunger before it could barely pass as soft boiled. I remember laying out my sleeping bag under the stars and how abnormally cold it was that night even in the middle of summer. I remember shivering in my sleeping bag, partly from the cold, but partly because of fear. I remember laying awake for a long time that night, thinking about Isaac. Earlier that day, my brother, who had been at camp with me, and I were told that my brother's friend, Isaac, whose family we were very close with through church and school, had been hit by a car and killed while riding his bike back at home. Isaac was the first person near my age I knew that had died, and the grief threatened to swallow me whole. My brother went home, but my mom encouraged me to stick with the ordeal, that maybe the silence and the time to think would be good for me, I was a naturally quiet kid, and I would spend long times in silence, and she knew that that was something that I just needed then. Besides, there was nothing that I could do at home. Calling hours in the funeral wouldn't be for another couple of days. I remember this experience vividly. And I'm certain that I came away from it a changed person, partly due to the experience of the ordeal itself, partly because of things that I couldn't control. I look at this weekend in that summer before my ninth grade year, and I can see myself going in as a young boy and coming out, emerging as a young man. This 40-day period in which Jesus was in the desert, tempted by the devil, is a time of testing. To do things that are desirable, but not good for him. 
to turn a stone into a loaf of bread and, by implication, turn the abundant stones that cover Israel's landscape into ample food to feed the many hungry people in a land often wracked by famine. To become the ruler of the world if he simply bows down and worships the tempter, which would be incredibly tempting when we remember that most of the known world in Luke's day was under heavy-handed control of Rome and its economic, administrative, and military empire. Surely a regime change can only be for the world's good. And finally, to the top of the temple in Jerusalem to test God's protection for the righteous. But he resists. He holds back. He says no. A no that I imagine is being firm and resolute despite the days of fasting and exhaustion. These 40 days of Lent that we have now entered into is generally speaking a time that we look at as a purging a stripping away, a casting off of excess and emptying. We tend to speak of Lent in terms of sacrifice and giving up. But this year, as we approach the two-year mark since the beginning of the pandemic, I wonder, haven't we all sacrificed enough? Have we all not had to give up more than we ever dreamed we would? We have lost loved ones and friends, community and fellowship, time itself. So this year, I wonder what it would be like to look at Lent as a time fill ourselves. I wonder if a traditional experience of Lent, at least in relation to current events, might not be doing us a disservice. When we sacrifice and strip away, which, don't get me wrong, can and is a very important and significant spiritual process, but we sometimes go much further than we ought giving in to the temptation of the scarcity mindset. That's what our culture screams at us every single day. You don't have enough. You need more. Go. Buy. 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 Yet we live in a land of overabundance, and we believe in a God of abundance. Now, to be clear, we aren't seeking to be filled out of some selfish desire. There are times when we do that, but that's not what I'm talking about here. This filling is, in fact, what Jesus came to accomplish. Jesus wasn't born, didn't live, die, and rise again so that we would constantly empty ourselves in a suffering way. Jesus came precisely to fill us with the grace of God. 
From the beginning of the story of God and God's people, this has been God's purpose. A full, expansive life for each and every one of us. See, even in the desert, Jesus expands our definitions of a full life. It's not the life the tempter presents, a life defined by excess power, control, or reign, which the tyrants in our world seek after in bloodthirsty ways, even as we gather here today. Jesus sees beyond this facade and says, even in the midst of fasting, one does not live by bread alone. He points us to this reality, even in a time when we are deeply hungering for justice and mercy and peace. Excess is not abundance, but there is more. There is a fuller life we are called to live. Even in the midst of struggle, oppressive forces, hardship, and grief, God's promises spill over like the bounty of the first fruits from the ground. Even in the desert, we are called to the riverside to be washed by grace. This year, let us fill ourselves with those things that make for a full and expansive life in Jesus. Let us take into us all of the joy and goodness and hope and love that Jesus desires for us, that we might be filled to the brim, even in the desert places. Even in the desert. In spaces cracked dry of life and flourishing, even when we have felt deserted, abandoned, and alone, even in those places, God promises to be with us. What are the desert and deserted places and spaces that you see in your life, in our congregation, in our community? Where are those parched and cracked places? How is God present even there, especially there? Or maybe the question is, how can we bear God with us to those places? How can we bear God with us to these places? This Lent, let us fill ourselves, fill each other and the world in which we live, full of the good and gracious and expansive love of Jesus. Friends, let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we join together in our affirmation of faith as found in the bulletin.
We believe God is love. We believe God's love is overflowing. We believe Jesus is a river. We believe that river is running toward us. We believe the Holy Spirit is a vessel. We believe that vessel holds mercy for you and for me. We believe the wilderness is real. We believe the desert is lonely. We believe that Jesus has been there. We know that we do not walk alone. Even in the desert, we are loved. Even in the desert, God is with us. Even in the desert, this love overflows. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us now join our voices together in singing hymn number 783. seated. At this time, I would like to invite Peter McKinney to come forward for our minute for mission.
Just give me five minutes to get my glasses unfogged. <laughs> All right, I'm going to be watching for a show of hands. Has, is there anybody here, raise your hand, if you've never heard of the one great hour of sharing? All right, I guess I'm done. <laughs> we are in the liturgical season of Lent. And as you all probably know from years of experience, during Lent, Presbyterians traditionally raise funds through our One Great Hour of Sharing campaign. Now, do you know what happens to that money? Is there anybody here who doesn't know what happens to that money? I, I, I guess... <laughs> I just keep trying. <laughs> the money that you give goes to the National Church. Oh, by the way, some of you know more about this than I do, so please correct me if I get any of this wrong. <laughs> money goes to our National Church and is used to provide aid worldwide through three critical programs. Three, count them. One, oh, all of these programs are designed to improve the lives of people. Right. First one is the Presbyterian Disaster Program. Second, the Presbyterian Hunger Program. And the third, the Self-Development of People Program. Roughly a third of the funds that we raise go to each of these programs. Each of them help people. And we feel good about helping people. Think disaster aid, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods. Think feeding people, fighting hunger, systemic poverty. Think helping communities, communities responding to oppression, poverty, and injustice. All good stuff that this money does. And that's just in normal years. We were hoping for 2022 to be a normal year. That's the right page. When, when Betty Dietz challenged us to raise enough money to fill an ark for Heifer International, it seemed impossible. It wasn't. We did it with God's help. And with God's help and yours, we can do this this year. We can raise money 
significant money to help people throughout the world. How, you say, do we start? Sorry, folks, I'm trying to find page three. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's go back to disaster aid. <clears throat> I'm sure that you know disasters are not all caused by nature. In addition to the hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, etc., that we come to expect, this year, the United Nations is predicting up to 6.7 million refugees displaced by a disaster of human origin. We're already seeing them nightly on the news programs, leaving Ukraine, stuffed animals carried by toddlers, while mamas carry small suitcases of treasured necessities. A large percentage of these people displaced by this human-caused disaster will be in need of one, two, or all three of the One Great Hour of Sharing programs. As a result of previous situations, the Presbyterian Disaster Assistance Program has existing working relationships with a network of ecumenical partners on the ground with knowledge and expertise to carry out this important work. So I ask dig deep and support this effort. And this is where I was supposed to remind you about Betty and the Ark. She set a goal. We reached the goal. We need to do it again. I don't know what the goal is. Maybe the goal is each, in each individual heart. But here's how we start. For those of you who have pledge envelopes, there's a bluish-gray one in that box of envelopes that says one great hour of sharing, providing access to food and safe water, hope to overcome catastrophe and conflict, and resources to oppressed communities to better their lives. Use the envelope. If you don't have offering envelopes, we have special envelopes, more blue than gray. They're available under the clock at the back of the sanctuary. If you would like one and you don't have one, pick one up or call me and I'll send you one. Our phone number, better email, Peter at gmail.com. Just do that, I'll send you one. Or you don't even need an envelope. Just send a check to the church office. Make it payable to Hamilton Union. 
but mark the memo section OGHOS. Remember that? OGHOS? What's it stand for? You got it. Or a final possibility. Remember the fish boxes? Did you ever put one together? I want applause. I did it the first time. Use the fish, there's fish boxes in the back of the sanctuary, or I'll send you one. Use them as a learning experience for the kids in your life. Challenge them to feed the multitudes with one little fish. Offer to match their coins with your dollars. Please dig deep. Amen. Thank you so much, Peter. And um, so one great hour of sharing starts today. And uh, on Easter Sunday, April 17th, we will be uh, having our collection for that and dedicating those gifts uh, to that cause. Um, And we'll be hearing more about that uh, as we go forward. Marianne? Thank you. Marianne um, reminds me that uh, she asked me uh, this past week uh, if it would be appropriate for her to bring a card in for us to sign for the Ukrainian Catholic Church over in Waterfleet. And uh, I said, absolutely. Um, so she's uh, got that card in the back with some Ukrainian dolls um, of hers. Uh, go take a look at those after following worship and uh, sign that card so that we can... Um, show our brothers and sisters uh, at that, in that congregation that we are praying for them and with them uh, in, this, in this situation. Um, so things are changing here in our part of the world. New York State has lifted the mask requirement for indoor spaces. They actually did that on February 10th, um, but, and it was on February 25th that the CDC announced new classification for communities' levels of COVID risk. Um, Albany County is currently classified at a medium level. Um, on Tuesday, session uh, met for our monthly meeting, uh, and we discussed this. And we made the decision that uh, we will be going mask optional 
as of next Sunday, the 13th. We talked about doing it this Sunday, but we didn't want to shock anybody and have anybody show up this morning and feel really uncomfortable. Um, So we decided we would have about a week to get the news out so people could um, uh, think about how much they want to risk. I will be not wearing a mask when I'm in the pulpit, but when I am down uh, among you, I will still be wearing a mask. Uh, the optional portion of this is what we really want to lift up. Uh, we don't want anyone, anyone to feel that they can't be here because they are choosing to wear a mask or not choosing to wear a mask. Um, as we lifted up last week, uh, this is a situation that's going on in the schools and In our house, we've talked to our kids about this and said whatever they feel comfortable with. Uh, Atticus chooses to wear a mask when he goes to school. By the time he comes home, it's gone. Um, (laughs) Juma has has had enough of them, and that's okay. Um, So it's really, we want you to do what you are comfortable with. If you feel that you are just not comfortable being in, a, in an indoor space where people are not wearing masks, remember that we are still using Zoom. Uh, this is not going anywhere. Uh, this is not just because of COVID. This is uh, going to be uh, really important for ministry going forward so that people can feel like they can be a part of us whatever they have going on in their lives. Maybe they are homebound. Maybe they're sick on a Sunday morning, whatever. Um, This keeps us connected, and I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, So if you have any questions about our new masking policy, uh, the policy itself is in the announcements. uh, But if you have any questions, come talk to me. Talk to one of your members of session, uh, and we can... um, continue to move forward in strangely normal ways, including having the choir back, which, again, thank you so much. It was beautiful. Uh, The second thing involves uh, how we are collecting offering in the mornings. for the longest time now, the offering plate has sat uh, in the vestibule uh, there. As you walk in, you could drop it. We've moved it. It is now here in the middle of the uh, center aisle. As the offertory plays, and this is going to be our, our common practice going forward for the next who knows how long, um, but the offering plate is there. As the offertory plays, if you feel comfortable, get up. Place your offering there. I find that the act of moving your body and placing your offering in the offering plate does a lot to connect you to God. Uh, that response, uh, that that response requires action, and it goes into the plate. Um, or you can wait until after worship. Uh, either way is fine. Uh, that's all I've got to say. I'll turn it over. Please listen to the invitation to the offering. God delivered the Hebrew people from Egypt and brought them into a land flowing with milk and honey. Similarly, God blesses and keeps us today. As the Hebrew people brought the first fruits of the ground to God, we bring the fruit of our labors as well.
Let us pray together the prayer of dedication for our offering. Mighty God, you saved your people with terrifying displays of power and with signs of wonders. When your people were slaves in Egypt, you rescued them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. In your never-failing faithfulness, you lead your beloved children into a land flowing with milk and honey. We come to you today thankful for your manifold blessings. Receive these offerings as the first fruits of your bounty in our lives. Send your gifts into the world that is hungry to know your refuge and your strength. Amen. Jesus has always been one to invite. He said, drop your nets and follow me. He said, stand up from your mat, you are healed. Jesus has always been one to invite, and that has not changed. So friends, you are invited to this table. Each and every one of us, with our doubts, our fears, our scars, our joy, our dreams, our hopes, our questions, we are invited to God's table. And here we will be met. Here we will be fed. Here we are given a taste of an expansive life that is full to the brim with love, overflowing with joy. So come. Not because you must, but because you can. Come, you are invited. This table is for you. Let us pray. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. God who knows us. We are amazed by you. Your love never runs out. Your hope never runs dry. Your joy, it never gives up. We wish that we could be more like you in that way. In a world that loves scarcity, your abundance is shocking. In a world that knows fear, your joy is compelling. In a world that knows anxiety, your peace is captivating. We long for these things. So today we ask you, be with us on the hamster wheel. Be with us when compassion fatigue rears her head. Be with us when stress makes it hard to breathe. Be with us when self-doubt pushes in close. Be with us when exhaustion becomes constant or when loneliness becomes our primary language. Be with us and show us the way to the life you long for us. Show us a life of expansive faith. Show us a life of overflowing joy. 
Show us a life of absorbing beauty. Show us a life of engrossing purpose. Show us a life that is as honest and rich and meaningful as the one Jesus led. And until that expansive and holy day, we will continue to gather at this table. Until that day, we will continue to look for you in our midst. So pour out a double portion of yourself onto this bread and this cup so that we might catch a glimpse of your goodness. God, we are amazed by you. Your love never runs out. So bring that never-ending love here. And hear us as we pray together the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Among friends gathered around a table just like this, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Later, he took a cup and he said, this is the new relationship with God made possible because of my death. Take it, all of you, to remember me. So take this bread and this cup. In them, God comes to us so that we may come to God. He who has suffered for our injustices is now present in this bread. whose body was hung on a cross is now offered to us in this cup. rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we pray together our prayer of thanksgiving after communion. In gratitude, in deep gratitude for this moment, this meal, these people, 
we give ourselves to you. Take us out to live as changed people because we have shared the living bread and cannot remain the same. Ask much of us, expect much from us, enable much by us, encourage many through us. So, Lord, may we live to your glory, both as inhabitants of earth and citizens of the commonwealth of heaven. Amen. Let us now join our voices together in singing our final hymn, Even in the Desert, which is an insert in your bulletin. Beloved, as you leave this place, may you be awestruck by the beauty of the world. May you laugh and may it be contagious. May you overflow with love for those around you. May you be effusive with hope and quick to point out joy. And in all of your living and breathing and being, may you find yourself full to the brim with God's Holy Spirit. 
and may it change your life. In the name of the lover, the beloved, and love itself, go in peace, full to the brim, remembering who you are and whose you are. Amen.